Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block. As always, we are recording this live and this will be up as a podcast shortly after its conclusion. Um, before I say hi to everybody, I just want to say congratulations to all of us because we have had a show every single week this year. One of us has been in every single show this year, and that would be Ed Maslish. Had <laughs> my mother not left this world the way she did, I probably would have tied him for that. But a special thank you to Ed for that. Special thank you to Jody for being part of our team even if she's phasing herself out because she wants to be a real person and live a real life. <laughs> and once again, I want to welcome our newest member, Gina. And I also want to thank Mike and Ed P, who have been with us most of the time and are quite amenable to being with us as permanent hosts on the podcast. So with that, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. That's a nice introduction, Steve. How are yes. you? Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Well, I mean it. Um, there's so much going on, as always. I'm going to run down the few things that matter to me, and then you guys can talk about whatever you want. We obviously have Biden admitting there's no federal solution, which is one of the bigger stories this week, which I love. In the last half an hour, there have been a bunch of stories about CDC withdrawing the PCR test because it can't differentiate between COVID and the flu. I was very shocked about that. Another one saying that PCRs can register positive after you're sick for six weeks, and therefore they're not really a good idea. I'm totally shocked about that. Uh, we have the viral video up here in New York with cops throwing a family out of a thing, which gets us into some uh, dicey territory when it comes to police and enforcing these rules. And um, we, I, we definitely should be talking about the story, I think, that Ed Maslish follows the most, the headline being China to use Beijing Olympics to promote digital yuan in challenge to dollar hegemony or hegemony. I'm never sure which it is. Hegemony. There you go. Everybody's got to have a different way. Look at this. Hegemony, whatever. <laughs> and uh, of course, Dr. Malone was just suspended from Twitter within the last hour, which is amazing. So I will throw all of that out there. And Jody, since uh, you're special today, would you like to start? Jody's always special. Yeah, you know, I just, I'm surprised I agreed with Biden on something. I mean, like he's caught up with reality. Isn't it interesting how suddenly he figured that out? <laughs> of course, he seems no. to have gone back uh -oh. on it already, but. <laughs> I don't know if I totally agree with him because uh, I don't think government has a solution for this at all. But, uh, and well, listen, uh, living, living here in New Jersey with the, uh, Phil Murphy, who I affectionately call Kim Jong-Phil, uh, hasn't exactly been working out too well over the past uh, nearly two years now. Yeah, but at least if you leave it to states, you know, states like DeSantis can. Well, at least at least at least a Democrat said that the power lies within the states. Yeah. So I there mean, you go. So save that soundbite for future reference. Right. No. Right. I mean, yeah. of course, it was really just a don't look at me. It's so bad, not my fault. That's really I have a plan. Bad, Trump doesn't have yeah, a plan. That's right. I have a plan. Let me say that 500 times. What was his wording? Uh, I'm going to shut down this virus. <laughs> but he said, I have a plan over huh? yeah. and over and over. He also had a plan, I think, to cure cancer or something. But he wouldn't tell us unless he wanted. Do you guys remember um, how hysterical everyone was? over Trump saying that it was going to disappear. They were all in hysterics. 
where's the hysteria over Biden's, you know, um, I'm going to shut it down. And obviously he's not. It's really the same kind of comment. It's both of those comments are ridiculous, but, you know, the selective outrage of the left. Well, I think to some degree, nobody really ever took that seriously. But, you know, obviously in 2020, they were going to use it to bludgeon Trump as much as they could. And they did. And, uh, you know, putting aside whether there was rampant enough fraud to have, you know, ended up having Biden win. uh, That was certainly one of the big factors. And the media and the social media uh, behemoths were all in on it. So, yeah. I, th- I think they, they use it to their advantage and they're still trying to. Mm-hmm. Last week, we talked about Biden's speech to the to the nation, his, his impromptu. I guess he gave about a half hour speech last Tuesday. Um, and I remember I char- I think I characterized it as, as Biden in retreat. And everybody else now seems to think that's true. I think it's and I do think it's true. Um, I think. I think it's interesting that um, I think that the Democrats underestimated how much they need a strong leader to ram through so much stuff against people's will. Um, a, someone who is strong and charismatic like Obama or Clinton would be getting away with a lot more than what Biden is getting away with. Uh, Biden pretends to be strong. He mouths strong things, but there's no power behind his punch. Um, and people are laughing at him and he's not respected. So I think that they underestimated just how much they would be able to accomplish with, with a figurehead president. Um, how long that continues, I don't know. I think that they're sort of in retreat across the board right now. Uh, it's a tactical retreat, not a permanent retreat. They're trying to figure out what they need to do to, to go back on the offensive. Um, and I think the... One of the interesting things that I've been contemplating over the last week is what have we learned from from what's going on? Because we know that they're going to come back. We know that they're going to come back, whether it's with mandates or or with an entirely different crisis. You know, Steve, you alluded to it that I've been talking about a financial crisis. Um, Whatever it is, we we know that they're not just going to go away and they're certainly not going to go away without being resoundingly defeated. Um, they're not going to go away just because something is not working. They're going to just make a tactical retreat. Um, and what have we learned? I mean, what's going to happen the next time they make a demand to control our lives? Have we learned how to tell them how to give them a big middle finger? Or are we going to give them the benefit of the doubt again? And I think that's an open question and it's worth considering. See, and I was thinking a lot about that speech that he had given, and I'm thinking more and more now as he's going on with the federal government not being able to control COVID. And I'm just looking already as to how they're going to turn this back on Trump. And this is going to be his fault because his vaccine didn't work. The COVID still spread. And I think part of him retreating now is to show that the vaccine is kind of a failure. You know, they've got to have dose one, dose two, dose three. Israel's in dose four. And it's not what it was cracked up to be. And I think that was something that Trump had touted so much, you know, look, we've got this, we cut through the red tape with the FDA, yada, yada, we pushed it out. And now I think it's going to be one of those things as he's retreating and his administration's retreating from it, they're going to push that onto Trump as a failure for 2024. 
Well, and I, I agree with everything you said, except that Trump is not just had, didn't just say that in the past. He's saying it today. And right. he's almost laying the groundwork for them to attack him and really put him, you know, saw him off the limb of the of the tree. Um, given his refusal to, to back off of the vaccine. Honestly, I'm not I'm not particularly interested in defending him on it. Um, and if they saw him off, I, I, I'm OK with that, because I think DeSantis would be a better candidate. And I think others might, might be better as well. Um, but I think that's that's going to be a, an ongoing story that Trump refuses to back off the vaccines, even as they show even as the number of people infected that have the vaccine uh, has been skyrocketing. You know, they, they're canceling sporting events. Um, you know, and, and they're not canceling them because it's dangerous. They're canceling them because of how many people are getting infected. Um, and, but I think you're, I think you're onto something that, that, that might be part of what their plan is that they're going to, they're going to retreat and, and try and blame the virus, uh, blame the vaccines on Trump. And Trump seems eager to accept that responsibility from what I can tell. I think it'll be a, a really, um, good strategy. I mean, I think it's going to be effective. That's. I don't know. I, we were, we were talking, uh, you know, the, the weird thing is what's an effective strategy. We were talking on Christmas with relatives and they're saying, and one of the relatives was uh, my cousin was saying something like, uh, well, you know, they never promised the vaccine would, would stop, you know, the cases. And another, what? and I said, what? Of course they did. And, it, and he said, whoever said vaccines would stop cases? And I blurted out, <laughs> Jonas Salk. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it was a weird kind of discussion. It's like, well, at least they're not as bad, or at least they don't have hospitalization. And it's like, I, I said, I, I, can't, I can't talk about U.S. data because the U.S. is a failed state, but in England and Norway and Denmark and whatnot, um, that's not true. The data is fairly clear that it doesn't, the vaccine doesn't do anything. And, you know, it's beginning to look like the vaccine not only doesn't do anything about COVID, but it actually harms people. And it, it's, it's going to be hard. I realize that there's a monopoly of the media, both right and left on vaccine. It's, it's going to be hard to hide the fact that the vaccine doesn't do anything and is in fact harmful for another three years. I, 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 I'm, they're going to try, um, but I think it's going to be hard because if it ever comes out that the vaccine is not only not effective against COVID, but is, um, but it's actually killed, you know, tens of thousands of people. Um, I think, you know, the, the ramifications will be catastrophic for the pharma industry and for the whole pharma government complex. Um, and I, I just, there's just too much money involved for them to allow that to happen. Well, it, I don't that's know why I... it can never happen. That's why Pfizer wants 75 yeah. million to release its data. There's just too much at stake. There's all the um, indemnity from any kind of lawsuits, et cetera. It's never going to happen that way. They're going to admit to anything less than perfect. But how, but how do they not at some point? Because at last that I saw, there are 68 cruise ships, fully vaccinated cruise ships, that have had COVID outbreaks. You can't take the dang cruise if you're not vaccinated. Staff, Gina, passengers, with all due respect, are you hearing that from right-wing crazies on the internet? <laughs> am I hearing that from? Yes, I am. 
Okay, so it's obviously not. <laughs> yes, right. But the, but that's the thing. There's 68, there are ships that are not being allowed to dock or come into ports. I know Mexico has opened up their ports to let these cruise ships in so people could seek medical attention. But, you know, even the ones that are on the ships have to, at some point, have this epiphany and be like, oh my God, we're all vaccinated. And yet we're stuck in the middle of the flipping sea. You know, I don't know, maybe Carnival offers some deep discounts and let us back on, you know, for pennies on the dollar. I don't know, but God, wake up people. Well, going back to the media, if a tree falls in the forest, if nobody hears about any of these things, right? The media keeps covering things up as if they never ever happened. How would it make a difference to anybody? I mean, they'll just they're, they're, they're darn everybody. They're darn good at, at not covering things. Yes. As much as they're biased, it's mm -hmm. very easy to sweep things under the rug. And all you have to do is look at what happened in Wisconsin recently when the guy ran everybody over you don't hear a damn thing about it at this point the las vegas shooting <laughs> yeah whatever happened yeah. that that's that's an interesting one because somebody Still, knows something. nashville bombing anybody know what happened with that i mean take <laughs> your pick anything everything is, is going apps two news cycles so Boom. you know what it never happened and I think we, we tend to assume because we know something happened or we believe something happened that it really did. But I don't put it past the press to just say it never, ever happened. Listen, when I talk to liberals in New York, no matter what I say, that is the answer. What I just said to you, Gina, you got that from some right wing maniacal mm -hmm. site and you can't believe anything you read. And there's nothing. Yeah, you know what? And you know what? It's so intellectually lazy. And that's the word I'm starting to use with people who have that to me. I'm like, really, that is that's a level of intellectual laziness that because that's not even an argument. It's just it's intellectually lazy. So unless you want to engage, then. Some of the Democrats seem to be seem to be retreating. The governor of Connecticut on asked why he won't impose a mask mandate, says basically they're not working in New York. Why should they work here? On the other hand, the fascists are are trying to double down now. Uh, Fauci is saying, well, maybe we ought to have a vaccine mandate for domestic airline travel. And I'm sure domestic road travel or rail travel will, will, be, will go in. But I think as, as we get further and further closer to the you know, apocalypse, which will be the next election, I'm not entirely sure that uh, the, um, I'm not entirely sure that they'll that they'll do that, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, they're now talking about the, the voter, voter Fraud Act uh, is their number one priority. So instead of the Throw Money at Things Act. So I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, that's not surprising, right? I mean, because they're losing control. So the way they get, they reassert control is to steal the elections back and, and claim a mandate that they don't really have. That's what, yeah. that's what you're going to do. I want to I revisit what you started with, Ed, um, or what you said before. You know, what did we learn from this? And will we, you know, show them a let's go Brandon finger? And, you know, we talk a lot about there's a need for civil disobedience. But if civil disobedience means walking into a restaurant without a mask or with only one or two vaccinations, and the police are sent out in force to clear you out and threaten you with arrest, they're gonna crush it. 
And I just don't see civil disobedience as working until the police finally wake up to the fact that the conservatives will not back well, them up all the way. Go ahead, Jody. Maybe that depends on the state. You know, if Brandon gets his way and, you know, it's not the federal government, let the states handle it. The state that I'm in, it's already kind of happening. I mean, you can't go into Chicago and go in. There's, they don't even have a vaccine mandate yet. It doesn't start till early January, but businesses are already implementing it. So, I mean, this is a crazy state. So let the state be that way if they want to. You'll be arrested. I'm fine. I chose to live here. I really prefer to leave. But then, you know, I could move to Florida or wherever where there's better governing and I don't get arrested entering a restaurant without a mask or without a vaccination. But I mean, it's very sad that people scream at the police. Is this really what you signed up for? Is this really the oath you swore? And in that thing in New York, they're like, you swore an oath to the Constitution. They're like, no, we swore an oath to something else that like literally blew my mind. I forget the words they used. So I just don't know where this is going to go because then they're going to crush any kind of civil disobedience. Now, it gets to another point that I want to make, you know, based on the Karen of the week on the airplane. Apparently was a Playboy playmate and what was she on? Playboy, Baywatch? she was a cheerleader she for like was? Cowboys or something, yeah. Former. Uh, she didn't look... Oh. Former. Whatever, let's not go there. Um, <laughs> this country, you know, in a sense, the country is sort of splitting off into different sectors. I just saw a story literally within the last half hour, 309,000 people have left New York in the last year, hundred and some thousand left California. So mm -hmm. in a sense, we're doing what Bongino says, we're sorting ourselves out. Yeah. But even that is not gonna help us on an airplane. And the fact that, I mean, I have zero interest in flying and the fact that this happens, these kind of fights, we are setting one against the other in such an unbelievably horrific way. These are sane people, sane people, spitting at and punching people on an airplane. And I don't know how we solve this. I mean, even secession won't solve it because you still got to fly on their airplanes. And well, I do, I do believe she had some prior domestic abuse charges against her. I'm not going to put her as the sane one. Uh, watching that from different angles, she was not quite sane to begin with. The gentleman was antagonistic. Um, I can say that because I kind of did the same thing. Um, I don't wear a mask anywhere. I haven't worn a mask except for the first, I think, two weeks when this whole thing broke open. Um, and that was it when it very first happened. And anyway, so I'm the one that's constantly, yep, still drinking, still drinking, still eating. And I've had people at the doctor's office yell at me and I'll just pull up my coffee or whatever and just smile. And um, I get yelled at by TSA all the time in the airports because I refuse to wear it in there as well. Um, so there are a lot of people that are standing up in that aspect. And you can definitely see the separation happening. I don't know how often you travel, but it, it's definitely something I see a lot. Well, I'd far rather drive to Florida than fly. I don't want to have to wear a mask and I don't want to get into any of those situations and people screaming at each other. This, we've literally lost it as a civil society. Yeah, fakemaskworldwide.com, by the way. That's the mask I wore when I flew to Florida. And no trouble. Uh, and last time I don't care. That, we got a strike from YouTube. Yes. Well, don't post this one to YouTube. Yeah, uh, we can't. We can't mention fake masks USA, even though we, we love them. Um, yeah, you guys made a great point about the spitting, and we're not talking about that enough. This lady, this Karen, who's yelling about the person not having a mask on, goes close to him, approaches him, slaps him, 
has no mask on herself, and then spits in his face. It's unbelievable to watch. I'll admit, is like a billion times worse than breathing within 10 feet of someone is spitting in their face. I don't know if Fauci would admit that. Fauci will probably come out tomorrow and say, spitting in the face is fine because a leftist Karen did it, but not wearing a mask when you're alone in a Zoom conference is bad. So I assume that's what they're going to say. But I don't get why those... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Someone made a great point about how even with secession, it it doesn't solve the airlines issue. And I'm just trying to think, maybe once we do leave the union, because New Hampshire is leaving the union, we can have our own New Hampshire-based um, airline, and we will fly to other states and back to New Hampshire from other states, and maybe it's nationally, and we can have our own pro-freedom policies. And if leftist Karens don't want to be on the same airplane as us, they don't have to. So we can kind of have our own thing, and if the FAA doesn't like it, then we can keep them out of it. What are they going to do, shoot us down from the sky? There's two major airlines that were trying to get o- away from the masks on airplanes, but I believe they've been shouted down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard because there are only like five or ten major airlines, big airlines, and they all own each other. So there are five or ten companies, so it's very easy to control only a few companies. So I, I don't think any of them will be able to be a renegade and push back against the policies because. Biden can get the CEO of each of those five airlines, you know, United, American, Spirit, Delta, and, and Southwest into a, an Oval Office meeting pretty easily. Whereas if it were more decentralized, if we had a free market, you'd have a thousand. And it's hard to get a thousand CEOs into the Oval Office and pressure the each. So yeah, the more centralized, again, that's why libertarians love centralization. It helps with everything. By the way, has anyone seen Biden in the Oval Office or he's always on that set? Always on set. I wasn't aware of that. What does he just have a green screen? No, they just they construct sets of different parts of the White House. Mm-hmm. It's like being on a movie. It's absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, I, I love that he agreed with Let's Go Brandon, poor guy. And his wife, gosh, did you see her head go down in shame? Oh my goodness. That was horrible. But what I was gonna say with the with the airlines and the mass mandates. Federally, that has held so many. I mean, it's ridiculous to think like our, our school district, for example, we don't have to wear masks. Um, however, on the bus to get to school, because it's still a federal mandate, our children have to wear the mask on the bus or any type of um, transportation. So, I, yeah, I don't think that's just an airline thing. That's Has there been a breakout in any of those uh, districts no. for the children? No. Because it's interesting that there has been here in the in the new jersey area well i think it has to do where there are mask mandates for these kids it's probably the worst breakout uh that i that i've seen since this started i wonder what your testing protocols are as opposed to ours as well and the distancing and all that you know i'm sure that does have an impact on it somewhat gina are you saying school buses are regulated by the feds you uh, yep, school yep. buses have to yep. That's that is transportation. So yep. How does that happen? I'm a little confused here. Because we receive federal funding. And your school you got, won't. Huh? All the schools do, but I I can't tell you exactly how it draws the line. All I can tell you is, before anybody received any CARES Act funding or anything, they have to agree to do certain things. So that I is a big big surprise. That's no. how they get you. They give you money. And you have to read yep. the laws. Well, I have I'll, no idea it was school buses too. Yep, I'll tell you right now. North Carolina has an awesome group of uh, people right now that are bringing lawsuits against our health directors 
Um, the health directors have signed off on a lot of stuff um, that they shouldn't have. And I'm not going to divulge too much information on that right now, but there's some stuff that's going to go down soon. And it's going to be great for some of our bigger counties, especially. So we throw ourselves at the mercy of John Roberts. Mm -hmm. God help us. Sounds optimistic. <laughs> going to get there eventually. Well, everything well, I think, does. I mean, they're going to have an oral argument on January 7th on whether to take, take the appeal on, on the OSHA mandate and the CMS mandate. Uh, I guess January 7th would be next Friday. So we'll still have another show between then, between now and then. But again, it's interesting that the court is not a leader, it's a follower. And it seems to me like the political winds are pretty clearly against the mandates. So it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, how they come out on that. Yeah. Uh, well, can we'll you... Can you explain more, Ed? Because so in Oklahoma, the governor had filed suit for their National Guard not to receive the vaccine. However, right. that got turned down because he filed the wrong against the wrong lawsuit. Is that how that ended up getting turned down? Is that what it was? I, I read the story. I, I didn't read the, the opinion, though. So I don't know why the I thought that the decision was on the merits. Not a, it wasn't because he sued the wrong person or the wrong way. Um, I thought that the judge, Judge Stilt, I think it was, mm -hmm. uh, according to the story, said that that he was just going to uh, that there was no reason to go against the, the mandate, that the mandate was effective in uh, preventing the spread of covid and he was going to enforce. He was he wasn't going to overturn it. But I haven't read the opinion, so I can't speak to that. Mm -hmm. um, it's a separate lawsuit from the ones that are going up to the Supreme Court, though, on January 7th. All these lawsuits tend to be arguing the law, right? You can't do this, you can't do that, rather than arguing the facts like this doesn't work. And I think that's because most courts don't want to wade into scientific facts at all. Um, but I think well, that it's also because we have a restrained judiciary, right? I mean, we don't want the judges to make those decisions, we want the elected branches to make those decisions as a general proposition. Right, but the elected branches don't. That's the problem. It's either the president or the fourth branch. So we lose both ways. Well, the president is elected and the fourth branch is appointed by the president. So- Which is not elected and not elected. beholden to anybody, which is all the problem. Fauci's not elected and not beholden and neither is the CDC, the NIH or any other of these places. Yeah, I, I mean, by you, now right? you can't even justify these regulations on the basis of the you know rational basis test. I and mean, there is no rational basis for this anymore. Um, so I'm, I'm waiting. Well, I think you're underestimating just how deferential the rational basis for standard is. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, they don't even need a, a rational reason. They just, as, as long as the court can conceive of a possible reason that's rational, they'll uphold the statute, even if the legislature didn't contemplate it. Or in this case, the executive acting on orders from the legislature. But Steve, what I was going to say is I'm all I'm with you that the, the non-delegation doctrine should be re, should be reinvigorated. I can't stand that Congress can make rulemaking authority and delegate it to the president and the executive agencies. If it's going to be a law, it should come from Congress. I, I agree with that. But um, that's not the way our system is right now. Well, I think, you know, what's going to happen, because it hasn't happened in a couple of years, John Roberts will just call it a tax. Call it a what? Oh. A tax. 
Well, you know, I mean, on my better days when I'm trying to be, when I'm optimistic about what's going to happen on, on January 7th, Neil Gorsuch has written a lot about the Chevron case and deference to administrative agencies. And maybe it's time, maybe it's time for Gorsuch to step up and write an opinion saying we've got to stop giving so much deference to these agencies. Maybe. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to bring something in here that may be totally from left field, but I follow Israeli politics very, very closely, as you know. And Israel has this weird situation where their attorney general is basically one step below God, one step above Fauci. And he's been holding indictments over several incredibly powerful political figures in Israel for many, many years. I think close to 10 years, if I'm not mistaken. And basically, these people who have tremendous power in the government never veer off the track that they know if they veer off, they will be indicted. So one guy the other day just did a plea bargain that if he leaves the Knesset, he can run again and there's no moral turpitude and he basically is going to pay a small fine. They're waiting to hear about one or two others. But the idea being that they tell you they're going to indict you, they hold it over your head and they own you. And I really hate to think that there are things that are hanging over heads of judges, but I, I just wonder, is Israel the uh, exception or does this happen at some level? Well, not by the well, DOJ, have... it's the CIA. Right? Well, the CIA that, and the FBI. I mean, we also, you know, we haven't really talked on this show about the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, but, you know, Epstein Island is, is you know, potentially a, a something that's being held over the heads of people that, you know, a lot of famous people visited there and we don't know, you know, the whole story behind it. What other chances that no judges went to Epstein Island with all the other governors and princes and billionaires and politicians? What are the chances no judges went to the island? Ed makes a good point. There's probably a pretty small chance. I'm sure there were some judges there. I'd have to assume. I want to make it very clear. No one affiliated with Liberty Block in any way has been on the Lolita Express or been invited to that island. It just, it just scares me, you know, when you talk about Gorsuch and you talk about so many of our, quote, right-wing judges, you know, Fed stock judges always moving towards the left. And it scares me, is it more than just the cocktail party circuit and more than the New York Times, Washington Post, uh, you know, style section? Yeah, it could be a simple thing where the CIA or other deep state intelligence agents have some dirt or will find dirt or create dirt, manufacture out of thin air if they go off the path. And that's why they're just afraid of the future extortion. Maybe that's why they don't, they don't uh, veer off the path. And that's why they move towards leftism. So that could be it. I have to run, um, but thanks so much guys. And congratulations on number 80 and welcome Gina. And hopefully we'll connect soon and talk soon. And thank you, Jody. And I'm sure we'll be seeing you soon. Thanks Absolutely. guys, I'll talk to you later. We are honored to have our fearless leader make an appearance. <laughs> Thank you. See you guys later. Happy New Year. Thanks, Alu. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year, guys. Happy New Year. I have to bring up a story that has absolutely nothing to do with anything, but I won't forgive myself if I don't. You may have seen it in the show notes. Some men are getting vasectomies to protest the Texas abortion law. Thank you, Mike. Can I just say good? Reaction. Can I say good? Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, like we don't want having kids anyway. Like we don't want them to reproduce. Thank you, Gina. Good. That's part of what good. I thought. Like, yes. who, who are you hurting by not reproducing? It's bad right. enough you abort 
everybody who agrees with you. What talk about cutting off your something to spite your something? I can't even. <laughs> this is mind boggling. Yeah, I don't think they realize they're doing society a favor, but exactly. doesn't kind of scream that they're admitting abortion was their birth control. It's like they're saying you took away my birth control option, so I better get a vasectomy. <laughs> but vasectomies were always available, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, sure. I, I can't. It's just too funny a headline for me. The whole thing is too weird for me. It's bizarre. Everybody's, uh, I don't think we're going to New Year's parties this early in the week, but um, I would like if anybody wants to sum up, what are the big stories of the year? What should we be looking for next year? Well, those are, that's a great question. I mean, almost every week we've talked about COVID and COVID fascism. Until, until we roll it back, that is probably the big story. Um, I think that COVID fascism and election integrity and immigration are the three real issues of our time. And we started off the year talking about election integrity. It's sort of petered out as the year has gone on. Um, immigration is something that we've been talking about during the year. And I think it dovetails in with, with, co with COVID fascism. You know, you look at what's going on at the border and you know, they, they're letting people come across without even asking them about COVID, without screening people for COVID, while Fauci and everybody else, you know, and the Biden administration is, you know, firing Americans who don't get the shot, uh, proposing, you know, vaccine passports, proposing, uh, uh, proposing to prevent people from flying on airplanes, as Gina was mentioning earlier, uh, unless they get the shot. Uh, but at the same time, they're letting literally you know, millions, over a million people so far this year into the, into the country without any screening for COVID. And then they just bust them all over the country or fly them all over the country. So they're right. spreading it out far and wide. At least they're going to Scranton now. What? At least they're getting shipped to Scranton now. <laughs> That'll be great when Joe goes and visits there next time. So I have a question for you, Gina, based yeah. on that. You know, like 15 minutes ago, you said something about, aren't people going to have an epiphany? And yet, this is in their face that a million people are led into the country with zero screening for COVID. And yet that doesn't get people to even think at all. And that's what I mean. People who don't think will never think. You know, sometimes I think it, it has to do a lot with what they see as the actual reality. So I can tell you, so like when I used to work down on the border, for example, people would see the news a lot and they'd hear all this stuff and it didn't impact them until their ranches started getting broke into, until their guns were being, you know, stolen out of their homes or they were finding a dead body on their property. Then all of a sudden they're like, holy crap, I thought the borders were secure. I thought what CNN said was true. You know, it's until stuff starts physically, like where they can't deny it, whether they have an adverse reaction to a COVID vaccine, whether, you know, an illegal immigrant hits their son or their daughter while they're drunk behind a wheel, whatever it may be. Like there, there's a reality that is on the TV that's not for them. And then there's one that personally impacts them. And that's sadly what it takes a lot of the times nowadays. Go Jody. Jody, you're muted. Oops, sorry. I keep getting dogs barking. But, um, you know, I totally think that too. And then I look at Chicago, Detroit, Baltimore. These people are living the hell of Democrat policies for a long time. 
And then I watch as I drive around during election cycles and all I see are Democrat signs. And it's mind boggling. How is this possible? And, you know, one of the things that owning the media and the education system as the left does, they have this cunning ability to tell people that what you're seeing isn't their fault, that what you're seeing is that's why it's shift from, you know, the, the, all these things that, you know, the, the, the poverty, the violence, these are systemic American problems. They're not Democrat policy problems. So sadly, it's bizarre to watch. People believe it. It's super, well, you know, I, I think how, how on it's the right, possible. Well, I, I can tell you, I think, I, I think it's because people on the right, and I think you might agree with this, Jody, think that people vote their pocketbooks. And I don't think that's true. I think people vote their their morality and Republicans have been smacked down for for promoting moral issues. And and that's where that's where the ground has been seated the most. And I think that's why Democrats have made so many gains in the last 25, 35 years, because Republicans have been beaten back because of abortion. Um, and they've been told that they're, they're not supposed to mention social issues, but it's it's the moral issues that are going to get people anyway. I mean, if you go into if you go into, you know, those inner cities like you're talking about, Jody, is it going to be easier to dissuade them from socialism or is it going to be easier to dissuade them from transgenderism and homosexuality and having their their daughters compete against boys and having their daughters dress and shower and boy with boys in the locker room? I mean, I, I, it, to me, it's a slam dunk that you know, Republicans need to be willing to take on the, the moral issues mm-hmm. and and not be afraid of. Them. Right. How much I, I think, the, I think um, Repu- Republicans have uh, been told in a way that that abortion issue is taboo. Don't bring it up. But it's not it's not a losing issue. Most most often, especially no, when you talk about taxpayer funding of abortion, when you talk about third trimester, partial birth abortions, there, there's a lot of ground there there is even if you about. put abortion aside these other issues yeah. are so in our face right now they are, but i agree gotta, with you i, I think those you, other you can win these cultural battles we can and There's that's no where it's, about it's exposing them and it's putting them personally in yes. people's faces so like loudon county virginia I mean, for example it wasn't until that transgender transgender young man which yeah. was anything but was assaulting because he was wearing the skirt assaulting a father's child in a bathroom and they sent him to another school and did the same thing so those people and those parents saw firsthand what was happening to their children yeah. so everything's fine and dandy while it's over there and it's not affecting you but when that finally hit home crap hit the fan yeah that's why virginia had this their epiphany moment because it hit them head on I think that's all part of the wokeism. And, you know, we talk about stories of the year that remains one. There's a lot of them, (laughs) but I think the past election showed that that's a losing issue for them. And that is a cultural battle. So, so, Gina, you're spot on. And I would, my biggest thing is the GOP really fails to capture messaging. They always listen whenever I listen, they always go on defense and they start talking about why this Offense should always be where they go. And offense with those stories, just like you just brought up, that is 
going on offense with oh, I agree. moral story and the moral win. I agree hundred percent. And that's so derelict in that. I, it, well, it's, it's because we've been, well, you got to think, especially a lot of the older women, for example, in the Republican party, they're reserved. Okay. We are the more classy, reserved, well-mannered, you know, and that's not stuff they wanted to throw out in people's faces where I'm that person. Like, well, I'm, you know, I'm a face of the Republican party and I am offensive when it comes to that and pushing that out and saying, Hey, this is happening. This, mm-hmm. I mean, this is happening in a County just, just North of us. And I got backlash up the Yahoo because we've got a male teacher that is right now going under gender assignment, surgery, reassignment, whatever the heck you want to call it and coming back as a, she, this is an elementary teacher. And, um, the fact that he's discussing this prior, like I used to work for the guy, I know him personally, he was discussing this with his students. Cause there was a little eight-year-old boy that came up to his mom and said, Hey mom, will you still love me if I change, you know, and I was reached out to by the parent and all of a sudden, like the county, this the county north of us at up in Caldwell, you know, they're like, holy crap, they had no idea, you know, and that's where as Republicans, we need to stand up and put that information forward and quit being scared about the backlash. Yeah, I was called a bigot. Yeah. I was told to kill myself and everything else. But also, well, also just Michael, let me just say one thing. I'll let you go. I mean, Jody, what's it, which is easier to be on a, the offense when you're talking about, you know, creating opportunity zones and, and lower taxes and, and, and economic freedom when the other side is saying, we'll give you handouts or going and saying, we're going to protect your daughters. We're going to protect your children. You know, mm-hmm. these people want to have pedophiles come after your children. I mean, it's, it's so much easier to be on the offense on the moral. Well, I think you can do it on the economics. I mean, we have true stories. We have true people suffering under the hands of government and the elite. We have, we have those moral stories that go on offense instead of us right. defending our worldview, showing the devastation of the left's worldview, shining the spotlight, like Gina said, shining the spotlight. Yeah. Putting it on display. And, and, and you're about talking to about it through stories, <laughs> you know, and then ahead, you could shift. You could shift. I, I, this is I, I think that Trump, I miss Trump for this. He, he was a, a guy that would go on offense and wouldn't yeah. take, take any, you, you know what, and especially on the immigration issue where he really pushed that agenda and he deserves a lot of credit for doing it. Um, you, you know, I mean, he, he, he went on offense on that. And now you, you do see some of the stories that come out. I mean, he used to, he used to present people that were, were personally impact, impacted by people crossing the border, illegal immigrants being here, and losing loved ones in one way, shape, or form or the other. Uh, and there was just a story a couple of weeks ago down in Texas of one of these persons who just had crossed illegally. They got into a car accident. They ran into a mother and her daughter, and they killed them both. I mean, how, how do you defend that? I mean, you know, Democrats are talking, you know, they cry foul about guns and every time there's a, you know, mass shooting and everything like that, but they're silent about all of these illegal immigrants who cross the border. They're, they, yeah, they're dealing drugs, they're committing crimes, and they're, they're killing American citizens, whether it's a car accident or some other type of crime. And again, I, I, miss, I miss Trump for that. He was very good at that. And he brought it home because he, he brought narratives Uh, to to the forefront and that's what we need to bring now even you know that we've brought in enough fentanyl 
to kill like what is it a tenth of the world's population across our southern border has came in it's bringing those stories yes in, you know and that's where we are listen right. how many times a democrat names someone personally and gives us a quick tidbit of their story mm-hmm. why we don't do that all the time all this the is time. this is melissa's so dad he died of covid go. yeah yeah and here's what happened to their family mm-hmm. i mean we should be doing that and you know the left does that and then following that possibly true story, then they pile on a bunch of lies. We don't even have to do that because the truth is generally on our side. Right. And that's where I love that we have like over, especially probably the last six months or so, we have now become, what does Cotton call us? The the party of parents. And I think that's wonderful because that is the absolute truth. Are there parents on the left? Yes. Are their ideologies a lot different? Are they as protective? No, definitely not because they're not protecting their children from this crazy ideology that is synced into our schools, into our children. And yeah, we are, we are re-identifying ourselves, I do believe, tremendously. And I think that's going to be one of your key things to look at in 2022 is a rebranding of the Republican Party. Oh, now you sound like Chris Christie. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm all for a rebranding and I hope it's good. I hope it's booty. Well, I, I think, think I think Christie's one of the rebranding would be very good, though. <laughs> the Republicans in charge will never allow the Republican Party to be branded that way. They love it the way they have it. Well, that, that's the interesting thing about Christie, which is where he's just full of baloney. Right. You know, he, he's pretending that he wants to rebrand it, but they want to take it back from Trump. We can brand him. And uh, that's why, you know, not to get too far ahead, it's going to be interesting to see the candidates again in, in uh, you know, 2023 for for the Republican nomination. Is that um, Cruz out there running? He, he did know. mention something about that. Uh, he did an interview with a young man last week, I believe it was, and he was talking about statistically how the second runner up has so many advantages going back into the mm. presidential race again. So yeah, he he's gonna be running. The, so, the, the dynamic has changed if uh, DeSantis throws his hat in the ring. Yeah. But didn't DeSantis already say that he was gonna rerun for governor? Didn't he already make that announcement like six weeks ago? I, I don't know, but if he wants to learn something from recent- Yes, DeSantis history. is going to run in 2022. Um, right. But oh, and, 2022. And like all people who are running for their second term with national aspirations, he's saying that his primary concern is to uh, win in 2022 and serve the people of Florida. <laughs> that's where um, i want to see him just because he's setting so many precedents in that state yeah, and I'd, yeah. I'd love to see him yeah me too there right now well i think one thing i was going to say from recent history is to strike while the iron is hot because speaking of chris christie there was a moment in time where he could have jumped into the race back in what 2010 2012 and he didn't do it and everything went south after that so um, starting with his hug of Obama the week before that, the that's correct. I was thinking about that before, but that uh, that's going to be something that's going to be, I think, still impossible for him to overcome. And uh, obviously he's going to be running again. So it's it'll be interesting to see down the road what we get. I would like to just publicly thank Ted Cruz, because had he not run, I would never have met Ed Maslisch. <laughs> that's true. Uh, you've heard the, the Cruz a story uh, this past week, right? Um, which does not, which, which does not say anything good about his character. His um, uh, thirteen-year-old daughter, 
who is a TikToker, strike one, has come out uh, publicly on her TikTok account as bisexual, strike two, and how she vigorously disagrees with her uh, father's uh, politics. Strike three, Cruz is out. So nice guy, good senator, he's gone, he's done. This is the one thing I, no parent could possibly, no serious parent could possibly ever accept their daughter having a TikTok account at age 13. Uh, at age 18, you'd still be against it, but at least, you know, there's uh, very little to do about it. But a 13 year old girl. I'll tell you that the, the TikTok, it's not a good thing for kids. And uh, there was, uh, I don't know if you saw it in the news within the last couple of weeks, there was um, a threat made, a uh, widespread threat across the country about violence in the schools that apparently emanated from TikTok. So I, I think, listen, all the social media can be good, it can be bad. I've met a lot of you guys through social media, but uh, I, I don't think the TikTok is very healthy for for young kids at all. No, why didn't he just put an app on his phone to block it, man? What's wrong with him? Yeah, what's uh, wrong with him? What's wrong with her? You know, his wife. But Wait, uh, I, would, I would like to. How many hours a week is Ted Cruz ever home? Right. Come on. We can't. We can't be everywhere. You're not a we senator could. if you're home. It's, that's ridiculous. So uh, other big stories of the year. I think there's a lot of things. I, I would like up, to bring up there. I was just going to mention economic conditions. Because, uh, you know, I think that remains the big, one of the biggest, if not the biggest threat on the horizon um, with all the inflation that's happened. And I don't know that it's going to stop anytime soon. Uh, and we talked a little bit about China and that threat. So uh, I, I don't think that we're, uh, you know, I want to throw an economic I don't think story. I don't think improvement is on the horizon. I want to throw an economic story way. out there from, from this past week, actually, that I meant to mention earlier. Uh, the, the CDC reduced its guidance on, uh, on quarantine times from 10 days to five days. And supposedly it's because they're afraid so many people are going to be kept out of work that it's going to destroy the economy. And oh, I, read that, I read that story a couple of times trying to figure out when did the Democrats come out against destroying the economy? Mm -hmm. You know what? Seriously, I mean, the, <laughs> everything they've been doing has been to destroy the economy. The, this week, yesterday, I think, uh, Tony Fauci said that the uh, CDC, CDC said they're changing the rules on quarantine because of the science. Yeah, but that's, that's Fauci, just to point out. What Fauci says and what the CDC says are often not on the same page. Fauci said, and I be actually believe him, that uh, the, the quarantine rules were destroying the economy. So we got to stop. So it uh, wasn't about the science. But, I mean, but Ed, they've been destroying the economy, not they meaning the Democrats and their COVID rules have been destroying the economy for 22 months now. The, the cracks are in the dam, though, uh, Ed, the, as I mentioned in the chat earlier, the, the cracks are beginning. When LeBron James tweets a meme uh, which basically says COVID is the same as the flu, which is the same as the cold, um, and LeBron James is a nutcase lefty. When he's tweeting that sort of stuff, they're beginning to lose. They're beginning to lose the um, the the battle for people's hearts and minds, and uh, so they're you know. Yeah, 
I mean, what listen, took so long? I don't know how it took so long for people to wake up, but. Well, you know, I mean, that was kind of my uh, my story of the year. Uh, obviously, we have China and we have the economy and we have COVID totalitarianism and whatnot. But I think that the story of of the 2020s it, or the 2010s is, um, you know, the loss of confidence of a substantial amount of the American public in the institutions of the United States. Uh, I think uh, the institutions of the United States don't deserve any confidence, but I think it's been a long time before people could really see that um, the press is lying to you and has lied to you since the 1960s. Um, but I think Trump did a very good thing in calling out the press as a bunch of liars. Um, I think people are now understanding to a greater extent that the, that the bureaucracy, the CDC, the FDA, and all of these people, they lie to you too. Um, everybody's, you know, fairly confident that the politicians lie, but the actual, you know, institutions in the government also lie. And, and I think it's, you know, I think even uh, libertarians such as ourselves have begun to understand that uh, the corporations uh, lie. Um, big corporations lie. I mean, I think we all have this view, um, you know, from Atlas Shrugged that these these uh, businessmen are the heroes and they're, you know, trying to do their job of producing goods, um, you know, in spite of all sorts of government restrictions um, and that, you know, they're, they're all Hank Braden types. Um, and then, you know, we we go to work for a corporation maybe, and we re- which is what happened to me, and we realize that's not the case, or it's, it's not the case 90% of the time. There are businessmen hero types, but they're very, very few and far between. And most are barely, I, above, I, I, barely I above criminal, ignorant people. You know, I mean, I've met so many people who are in charge of companies or large segments of companies who have absolutely no idea what they're doing and, um, and who, you know, who think that the, the way to increase value is to screw their employees. So what if it causes employee turnover? That just means newer, less expensive employees will, will come in. So, I mean, we're not trusting businesses. We're not trusting government. We're not trusting the press. Um, I, I think, I think this is a big deal. I think, I mean, it started in the 60s with the lies about the Vietnam War, et cetera. But I think it's a big deal that no one has any confidence in any of the American institutions anymore. And I don't know what the end result of this is. Um, It could be bad, it could be good, but it's definitely what's going on. Yeah, I think it's a a good point. And I, I still think leftists tend to blame the corporations more than the government. I think they're still a little blind to the relationship. They're the same thing, right? I mean, they're uh, yeah. the same thing. That's right. The, so, how intertwined they are in that corruption. Um, but go ahead, Jody. You were going to say something. No, I was just going to say what's interesting is when you you know when you're talking to a, a, a real leftist and they're telling you how government can't be trusted, corporations can't be trusted, all these things can't be trusted. And then you say to them, well, but you vote for Democrats, the ones who are basically standing up there saying, give us more money and more power and we'll fix it, but you don't trust them. There's that disconnect of this, that the lack of understanding. They, these are people who believe 
giving more money and more power to yeah. the government will fix the government right. and the corporations. It's bizarre. Well, I, I, I and I did ask a, a, a young liberal friend of mine, um, and she's like, yeah, but the Republicans are racist. I, I think it's the, the whole CRT, um, you know, white guilt thing that, that has captured them rather than, um, uh, you know, they might not trust the government and they might not trust the uh, business and they might not even trust the press, but the Republicans are racist because they trust the schools, right? Because the schools have taught them that Republicans are racist. And that's the next big thing that I think the Loudoun County um, uh, revolt is is beginning. You know, I, I the next thing is to say the schools are awful and you should get your kids out of them. Listen, talk about shining a spotlight and using stories. Why the Republicans have failed monumentally? Because if we've learned one thing in the last year, this is a very effective message when you get parents upset about how bad things are for our nation's children. They need to start shining the spotlight on our nation's report card. You guys need to all start looking it up. How abysmal and horrifying our nation's report card is. Start shining that spotlight. Start taking cameras in to these areas and showing how devastating it is for these students, especially in the inner cities. Why, why can we not seem to shine that really important spotlight and, and take back the moral high ground on this issue and, and, and highlight these stories and the devastation and, and, and put the left on, you know, go on, go, be on the offense and say, look, this is horrifying. Who wants this for our children? I think that's going to start happening. Poverty, especially a lot of these impoverished areas right now, as like Chicago, for example, is one of them. And it's only certain school districts, but they're putting kids back to remote learning again, you know, just as a precaution after the holidays. And I've just seen and heard, I guess you'd say, you know, listening to different things um, where they're doing local interviews with these parents that, you wouldn't classify as a Republican or on the right, but they're like, I, I can't do this with my kid again. They failed mm-hmm. tremendously. And look what you're doing. The teachers unions, look what you're doing yeah. to yeah. our kids. And that's where, you know, again, we need to emphasize teachers unions are to the left. They're not, they're not part no, of, I don't right, even think you know, and those are the things what, I, I'm, 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 I want to use the, re- the right wording. They're racist. I'm done with all the tiptoeing around and 10 years ago, I would never have used that language, but everything that the left says is a sign of racism, the, the um, segregation, the poverty, the bad schools, every measure that they use to show as signs of racism exists in their own areas. So I'm calling them what they need to be called by their own measure. They're racists. I don't want, I don't want to call them leftists. It's too nice. They are what they are. They're locking minorities in poverty. They're locking minorities in bad schools, lack of education. They're sentencing them to poverty and violence for their whole lives. So they deserve the charge of racists. There is a podcast called New Discourses by um, James Lindsay, one of the guys who did the, um, you know, the fake woke uh, papers that got published. And his last three, uh, his podcast is basically about cultural Marxism and how it's it's sort of began in the 20s and gone to the day. His last three uh, episodes have been about, uh, been called groomer schools. 
and how the schools using the, uh, you know, um, queer theory and various derivatives of it are basically grooming children to be acceptive of, um, of pedophilia on the one hand, but also they're grooming them to be, to reject uh, the idea of male and female. That's why so many uh, kids are now coming out as like Ted Cruz's uh, daughter as some ridiculous thing at, at age 13, um, bisexual, but also non-binary and all the other, you know, ridiculous uh, non-existent um, psychological issues that they're actually purposely grooming kids to have these psychological problems. And I do recommend uh, Lindsay's podcast. Uh, it, it's a little didactic at points, but he really, he really hits home. It's not just they're racists and they're sexist and they're, you know, pro pedophilia and they're pro, um, you know, indoctrinating youngsters as, as low as five or even four in, um, in sexual perversion and, and, uh, you know, anti-normalcy, right? And being anti-normal. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the end of the world. And uh, as you, you know, the part of the um, Loudoun and Fairfax, where I live, Fairfax County's uh, protests were them showing these books that they have in the school libraries, which basically have drawings of um, pedophilia as, uh, as adult men have sexual relations with ch children in these books, uh, drawings of it. And I, you know, I, I'm not an expert in, uh, in child pornography laws, but it, it does seem to me that these are very, very close to the line, if, if, if not well over the line. And but what Lindsay is trying to portray in this podcast is that this isn't random. Uh, without being a conspiracy theorist, this is a plan and a, you know, there are reasons for it. And, you know, what there's, maybe there's no one person in charge, of course, it's just the way the teachers are trained and the administrators are trained uh, in, in the teachers colleges and whatnot. And they're really turning out a generation of, of students, half of whom are completely confused. And the other half are so alienated that they are, you know, basically willing to just, you know, give up, you know, tune in, turn on and drop out. And uh, neither is going to be good for the future of the country. Isn't oh, wait. just a long push through the institutions? I mean, this is what they've been doing for decades. Yes. I mean, again, the institutions are, are losing trust, but I, I think that um, the schools still have this, this, you know, well, this, this might be bad in somebody else's school, but my schools are good. And I think the rise of the alt um, media sites, especially Telegram, where you can uh, uh, post without worrying about censorship, you know, raw videos taken from classrooms. And I've seen a bunch of them. Um, that would just shock you. Um, I think the, the rise of that is going to, you know, bring this more and more to a boil, not just at, in Fairfax and Loudoun. It's, it's going to keep growing. Like, so Wake, where Raleigh, North Carolina is, um, there's over 100 pornographic materials um, in their school system alone right now. And they are, they do have a lawsuit coming at them. Um, for endangerment of children, 
there's all kinds of stuff happening in Wake County and it's just, it's glorious. It's absolutely glorious because more and more is being exposed, you know, not just locally um, through our individual counties, but our Lieutenant Governor, for example, has stepped up and has really led the charge in a lot of it and exposing what is in there and giving a platform to the right, you know, and not being afraid to be called a racist, a bigot, a homophobe, whatever, you know. Uh, so I give kudos a lot to Mark Robinson. He's been wonderful in doing that. But yeah, Wake County's getting sued and it's wonderful. Child endangerment and 50 million other things. I'll have to send the article to you guys. And again, it's, it's the, this one book is, it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely child pornography as far as I can tell. I mean, and it's, and it's pushing um, sex with minors. It's pushing minors to have sex with adults. That's what it's doing. It's pushing minors to think it's okay to have sex with adults. That's the actual content of it. And if there's anything that will screw up a child, I don't know anything that will screw up a child more than to have sex with an adult. I, I can't even imagine anything that would be worse for a child than, than um, for that to happen. So it's really, um, and then they'll be inducted into the red guard. You know, that's the thing. It's like when, when they lose everything, then they're, they're ready for, uh, they're ready to follow the first leader who comes along and says that they'll give meaning to their lives. When Merrick Garland's memo came out, became public a couple months ago, I said that it was no accident that the left reacted so swiftly and so strongly to the rebellion in Loudoun County and Fairfax County. They know that this is a battleground that they have to keep. They can't, they can't make tactical retreats in the schools because that's where they're training their future foot soldiers. They've got a steady stream of people coming through the schools that they're pushing to leftism and they're, that are pushing away from just more generally from rationality. Like you said, I mean, if you, if you push a child into pedophilia and homosexual acts and homosexual pedophilia, you've so warped that child's mind that it's gonna be hard for him to see straight no matter what happens going forward. And, and they know that, and, that, and they, they, they think that their two streams of, of future voters are young children in the schools and illegal immigrants coming in across the border in Mexico. And that's why they will fight to the death to protect both of those groups. And I think Gina alluded to this before. Are they going too far with remote schooling and the tremendous percentage of people who have started homeschooling? Are they shooting themselves in the foot? Or is this never going to be enough anyway? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of both. And I think it's really showing parents and we have to as the right, we have to um, inform parents more of not what only is going on in the school, what the schools are getting for their children. So New York City, um, I want to say it's $44,000 e follows each student. Imagine the private education that these oh, children God. could be getting with 44000 or 46000 whichever I just said it was. Chicago is $26,000 that follows each student you know, give that money to the parents and let them do what is best for their child, whether it's putting them in some kind of pod, a Montessori, a Catholic school, a private, whatever. I mean, it's for here, ours is just under 11,000 per student. And um, I mean, it's, it's, you ridiculous. know, I have my kids in private school. Mm -hmm. It's an outstanding private school. I have it probably don't cost kids. that much, does it? Three kids, 14,000 a year, three kids. Mm -hmm. Right. An outstanding school. 
And I get that's probably not something the public schools could match because they have other things going on. But still, there's no way that they can't do better on every measure, cost, Mm -hmm. outcomes, all of it. Oh, yeah. And that's where a majority of these kids, you know, that are going back to remote, they're already a year and a half behind. So that's where data is starting to roll out. They're a year and a half behind where they should be. They're not at grade level for reading, not at grade level for mathematics, you know, and it's putting or it's keeping, I'm not going to say it's putting people in these impoverished cycles. It's keeping them in these impoverished cycles so that they vote that same way. So why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? But we have to do a better job exposing all of that. Absolutely. Well, listen, the the money doesn't equate with results. We know that. And New Jersey is probably the biggest experiment in the country when it comes to that. So, (laughs) you know, it's not just with public schools. Right. I mean, and it's not just private schools. I mean, you know, children that are spoiled by their parents tend to not do so well as children who have to work harder. Yeah. I mean, I see it. I mean, I see it with my own son. You know, I've made life a lot a little easier for him than it was for me. And he doesn't have the same drive to succeed that I had. And, right. well, you know, I mean, he's, you know, he's not going to, I hope he's not going to wind up in one of these people in, in these inner city ghettos that you're talking about. But I, I don't think it's limited just to the public schools. I think that there's this virtue in struggle and there's virtue in hard work. There is. And you old fashioned. It is. But think of, so 20 years ago, all the participation trophies, all the medals started. I mean, we've set them up for this. But 100%. it's all, it's all, let, let's be honest, it's also the parents. Right. Um, but those parents, listen, when, a lot when of I, them were brought up in that as well. Yeah. Listen, when I, when I went to grade school, I remember getting to talk to my father, the teachers like your parent, you know, if you do this, this or this, you're going to be in trouble. And today it's the opposite. A I child think, would you know, if you that. look at it, yeah, exactly. It, 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 the, the parents, I, I know teachers who get emails from parents and, and listen, that's a form of communication that didn't exist 40 years ago, right? So these parents are sitting there. Some of them have nothing better to do than to bust the chops of the teacher. And why isn't my, why isn't my kid uh, doing better? Why'd they get this score? Can't, they, can't you do something to bump up their grade? The parent is against the teacher. Therefore, their little Johnny, their little Susie, who can do no wrong. And it's, it's a big, I'll big part you, of the problem. I'll bet you if you were to poll teachers in public and private, that is a much bigger problem in public, pu- public than it is private. Almost, you'd, be, you'd be surprised. No, I mean, you'd be surprised because I think there's a certain expectation when parents yeah, are paying usually, a lot of money for a private school. Yes. But those parents put those, if you're you're at that level and you're paying, you have, you put that expectation largely on your kid. I don't know. In my area, I can tell you the the parents in my area are really quick to go with, wait, my kid did what? And engage and say, you know, go to the kid first. I got to laugh. I wish my son were, I almost wish my son were up here right now because he'd be the first to tell you that everything is his fault. And, you know, I make sure that he has, I try to make sure that he has personal responsibility for things and uh, he doesn't like it. I, I don't think that, I don't think that that's something that's, you know, enshrined throughout our culture at this point. It's actually looked down, uh, isn't it? We've gone from personal responsibility to everything that society's fault. 
on purpose. Yeah, and you and you hear that in the excuses from the teenagers, everything. It, it's it's pathetic. It is. Well, listen, a lot of these kids in the schools too, they know what they can get away with and they they know they're not going to be disciplined either in the schools. There's just there's just so many problems, honestly. <laughs> yeah, well, let's not get too carried away though, because given what's going on in the schools, I don't think I want them disciplining my kid either. That's true. Yeah. Yes and no, but I, I understand your point. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm all for, for what is it, school lunch suspension or detention? What detention? Lunch detention. Well, when, I, when, I was in Catholic, when I was in Catholic high school, it was known as JUG, Justice Under God. There you go. <laughs> is that why you have JUG handles there? I don't think so. <laughs> all right, folks, let's wrap up. Everybody, their parting thoughts and what we didn't talk about today. Ladies first. Oh, you're, you're so Don't stuck in the put mind. on the spot. Chivalry. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I would like to really focus on what's going to happen in 2022 um, with Fauci. Um, I'd like to see him prosecuted for lying to the Senate. I think something definitely needs to happen there. Whether it's, you know, taking away his $350,000 uh, retirement that he's going to receive annually, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but I'd like to see something happen with that in 2022. I'm not going to hold my breath because not much does happen that should, but that's what I want to see. You know, and ending with your uh, continuing with Fauci and my ending, um, you know, I think his time is limited and, and he should probably exit soon. As more people wake up, I mean, if he stays too much longer, I think people are going to start to rebel against him on the left. And once that really takes off, he's in trouble. I think he'd be a lot wiser to get out while he's still a little bit on top. Um, I kind of hope he stays. I hope he ruins his, his career. And it, well, not that he has one going forward, but I hope that he fully goes into full destruction mode. Stays, stays too long and goes into full destruction mode because, you know. He needs a phone call from Alan Greenspan. <laughs> Do you think Alan Greenspan learned? <laughs> I, I think the, the Nuremberg trials for this uh, COVID thing are going to be lit. I'll tell you, I can't, I can't wait um, because these people all deserve to hang. And... Uh, I just, I can't wait for them all to be prosecuted. There's a story out there, Ed, maybe you know something about it, that pilots are forbidden to fly after taking experimental vaccines. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's true. And, yeah, Comirnaty, here. and Comirnaty is not available for use in the United States. And it is different than the Pfizer-BioNTech EUA vaccine. And the pilots union is attacking that. A lot of people are attacking that because uh, the military is attacking that. The problem is, I, you know, f with all due respect to the lawyer on the panel, uh, my God, some of these people have terrible lawyers. Uh, they just aren't arguing the right thing. The good ones are on Liberty Block. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Um, wow, they make bad decisions as far as the way they argue these cases. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the approved vaccine is not available in the United States and 
Thus, no one should have uh, be, be forced to get the, the experimental one. And the government's just saying to the courts, ah, they're the same, when the CDC's own documents say they're different. And the Comirnaty hasn't been approved uh, or hasn't ever been tested, right? The, the one that's approved hasn't ever been tested. The interesting thing I, I, I read today, and this is, I sent you this just before the um, show, was that the reason, and this is, you know, somebody's opinion about the reason is the way the vaccine injury law works is that you only get um, immunity from lawsuits if the vaccine is approved for children of all, all ages. And if it's not, then it doesn't, if the vaccine is only for adults, then it doesn't, it doesn't fall under that law. I don't know whether that's true. That's, again, I'm just reading an article. And that's one of the reasons why Pfizer is pushing so hard to get this vaccine approved uh, for children, no matter how deadly it is, so that they can get um, immunity for the Comirnaty version. The Pfizer-BioNTech version, which I got back in the day, um, they have immunity because it was done under an EUA and we all signed our rights away when we signed up for it. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting, it's a very interesting little legal tussle that should be obvious, I think, if they, if they had decent lawyers. And I guess the problem is lawyers don't know science and judges are lawyers. And so it's, it's hard to make that point. But I mean, I think you could do it. You know, this is not the same. See here, the CDC says it's not the same. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the law is more complicated than that, but. Maybe um, we need to retain you for some of the lawsuits we're bringing, Ed. And I don't know anything about, you know, biology other than what I've picked up over the years, right? I mean, but still, it does seem, seem obvious. Uh, of course, I'm now all substack all the time, so I've dove into all of these various Substack uh, authors. Jody? I know, I was just gonna say, if you guys saw that headline come in, um, Ghislaine was found guilty on, I don't know if all, but some. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just had it, had, uh, <laughs> it was just a breaking news. That's interesting, because there was somebody on Tucker about a week or so ago who was made perhaps maybe the only one really paying attention to that trial listening to the arguments and he he said he wouldn't be surprised if she was found innocent or guilty on some of the charges and not all of them it says guilty on some counts so i don't know i haven't read the whole thing but who uh, which one the just lane maxwell. maxwell okay i got conspiracy to entice minors to travel to engage in illegal sex acts conspiracy to transport minors with intent to engage in criminal sexual activity, transportation of a minor with intent to engage in criminal sexual activity, sex trafficking conspiracy, and sex trafficking of a minor. I guess she should run for governor of New York. <laughs> <laughs> or go work for CNN. Well, it'll be interesting. Five of six counts, she was guilty. Okay. Well, it'll be, uh, she was it'll, be it'll be interesting to see if she starts singing. Or if she doesn't commit suicide. Exactly. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, sorry. That's true. Darn it. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. Well, yeah, I guess uh, if you're in a death pool, you can pick her for next year. <laughs> Mike, what do you got? I, I don't really have anything in particular. Um, you know, I just want to wish everybody a happy new year. Um, again, going back to Steve's comments at the beginning, I appreciate them and be, appreciate being a, a part of the gang here. I look forward to, to an interesting 2022 and um, a lot of these issues are going to continue to percolate we've got a, an election next year to, to look forward to as well so uh again i'm just happy to to be a part of it so thanks thanks for having me and i appreciate all you guys wish everyone a happy new year we're glad to have you mike happy new year one story way, that oh, okay. one thing one other thing real quick definitely yeah. gonna miss miss jody and, i'll be uh, around from time to time I'm not going I, out I, I hope you are. I won't we'll be gone having you. At, we'll miss having you every week. Thank you. One story that we missed discussing was the police officer in, in Minneapolis that was convicted for um, manslaughter, two counts of manslaughter for uh, pulling out her taser or saying she was going to pull out her taser to a perpetrator resisting arrest. But in fact, pulling out her revolver and killing the person. Uh, I still don't know exactly how I feel about that case. Um, it's I think that when a suspect resists arrest, they, they've created a dangerous situation. And then a police officer is, I, I don't want to say all the time, uh, OK with uh, I don't think it's not that I think that any time a perpetrator resists arrest, the police officer is justified in shooting the person. But I do think that. When you resist arrest, you've created an emergency situation and a dangerous situation, and bad things are going to happen to you when that happens. Um, uh, Ed Powell and I were having a, a conversation offline earlier in the week, or maybe it was earlier today, about uh, whether uh, whether the, the officer's decision to yell taser had any effect on the outcome. Um, I haven't done the legal research on it. I'm not a criminal attorney. I think it's an interesting point. Um, I don't know that, it that the case itself has any cultural significance, but um, I just thought it was an interesting case and we didn't really talk about it today. Um, going forward, I, you know, every time there's a big, every time there's an election, everyone talks about it being the election of our lifetimes. And, you know, this is the, the a critical election. And, you know, so I don't want to get into, to, you know, bromides like that, but I, I do think that 2022 is obviously a national election year. And if, if trends continue the way they're going and we have a free and fair election, there's no doubt that the Democrats are gonna go down big time. And there's equally little doubt in my mind that the Democrats are not A, gonna just let that happen and B, they're not so stupid as to not see it. Um, this has happened a couple of times in our, in our lifetimes. It happened in 94 and 2010. Um, in 2010, at least they, they went down because they thought, well, we're going to pass Obamacare and the Republicans may get control of Congress, but they'll never repeal it and we'll have this entitlement forever. And they were right about that. Um, in 94, they were trying to pass Hillary Care. They, they didn't pass it. Uh, they did pass their assault weapons ban, though. Um, that one only lasted 10 years. Um, but you know, my point in bringing those two up is that it, both of those times, there was some reason for Democrats to commit 
suicide. And I don't see any reason for Democrats to commit suicide right now. I mean, there's a, a whole bunch that have already filed re retirement papers and said that they're not running. Um, but I don't see, you know, what, you know, what purpose is going to be served for them to, to just to, to blow this election to get something passed. I don't know what the something is that they'd get passed. Um, you know, I, I've, you know, I've alluded to the fact that I think that there's that there's going to be a, a financial crisis this year. But regardless of whether that, whether I'm right or wrong about that, maybe something is coming and they think that they'll be able to to use whatever is coming, whether it's a financial crisis or something else um, to cement their power, even if it means they lose one election or maybe they'll use the, the you know, maybe they'll use the, the emergency to either suspend elections totally or just. Uh, you know, you go for universal mail-in balloting, which effectively suspends elections because we know that they cheat. Um, but I think that this year is going to be a consequential year because one way or the other, there's going to be a, a reckoning in November. And um, at least looking at it, you know, as we approach New Year's Day 2022, I don't think either side is going to really accept a big loss next year. Uh, I don't think the Democrats are going to accept it. I think they're they're going to yell insurrection. They're going to yell that the you know that you know the Democrats always project what what you know what they what they want to do onto Republicans, whether it's racism or insurrection or stealing elections or what have you. But I mean, equally the same. I, if if somehow Democrats win, whether through hook or by crook or or by somehow by a fair election, I, I don't I don't think people on the right are going to accept it either. I mean. You know, people on the right still don't accept the 2020 election. I, I was talking with someone last night and this morning who still thinks Trump is going to be reinstalled as president next year, despite the fact that, I, that there's no legal mechanism for that to happen other than uh, impeachment and a whole series of impeachments. And I mean, it's just it's not going to happen. Um, but people on the right still don't accept the 2020 election. Um, there's no way that they're going to accept anything short of a transformational Republican victory in November. Yeah. So we're sort of setting up for, uh, for, for a powder keg to explode next November, regardless of who wins. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how things play out during the year. I mean, I don't really have yeah. a prediction on it, but. I, I think you make a good point. I think things are set up for a Republican landslide. Uh, the question becomes to what lengths do the Democrats go like they did in, uh, in 2020 to try to rig the game, uh, you know, going to different courts, getting the mail-in ballots, et cetera. I think that's going to be a big storyline as, as we start to march through 2020 to see what they're trying the to difference, do. The difference, though, is it's a lot easier to rig a presidential election where you right. just stuff the ballot boxes in a few key counties Whereas the House of Representatives is 435 separate races. Right. And most of them are not even that competitive in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, so um, it, become, it becomes a lot of the battlegrounds, right? Those districts that, that are going to turn the tide one way or the other. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and just, and the final thing I wanted to say, I wanted to all, you know, as Mike said, I want to wish everybody a, a happy new year. Uh, it's been great working with you guys, uh, both you know, people who've been on the show, people who have joined the show and people who are coming on for the new year. Um, I really enjoy this. This is something I look forward to every week. I look forward to interacting with 
each and every one of you, you guys stimulate me and challenge me. And uh, it's really good uh, knowing you and talking with you and, and doing a show with you guys. So, uh, and I hope our listeners enjoy what we talk about and I hope they enjoy the back and forth. Um, if you're listening out there, you know, feel free to call in and, you know, let us know that you want to, you know, agree with us or disagree with us. We'd love to talk with you more. Um, and I hope that everybody both on the show and listening has a happy, healthy and safe new year. And, and I wish you all well. Amen. I, I second everything Ed just said. I still think we have the most intelligent panel anywhere in media. All we have to do is sell that out there. Um, I don't want to end on too pessimistic a note, but I figured out years ago that elections are decided way, way, way before elections, and they're decided before the primaries, and they're decided in back smoke-filled rooms. And it doesn't matter if the Republicans win 435 seats. It's which Republicans? And are they Boberts and Greens, or are they the other kind? And that's either having, that's either already been decided in a smoke-filled room, or it's going to be decided very, very soon. And that's what really matters. It doesn't matter how many Republicans we have. So with that said, I will wish everyone a happy new year. I can't thank everybody enough. And we will be back next Wednesday, same time, same channel, new year. Take care. Thank Bye, you. everybody. Bye, guys. Thank happy you. Happy new, new year. Happy new year. Happy new year. Happy new year.